0: You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Wow, so good, eh? Isn't that amazing? Quite astonishing, really. And um, it's, a, it's a remarkable thing that God seems to do and keep doing through us. And of course, remembering that it's not about buying laid law, it's about creating a place where, again, we can have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of of uh, sons and daughters coming through receiving Christian education. We can have another great church out west where people can come and find a hope in the future. That's really what it's all about. So, church, I'm going to ask you to stand with me for two seconds, and we're going to pray into this, and we're going to ask God to open a door and do something uh, amazing. Uh, it really does need a miracle at this point, but we are in the miracle business. Amen. Yeah. Come on. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the fact that you are a God who tells us in, in your word that, God, you open doors that when you open them, no one can close them. God, it certainly feels like we have given us an open door here. God, we pray for your provision. God, we pray for your wisdom. We pray for your leadership as we go forward. Lord, we just do pray, God, that you will, again, God, create an outpost out in West Auckland, God, where many, many people can find the gospel, find hope, find salvation, find their life in you. God, we pray you will move in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, team. Why don't you grab a seat? Delighted to be here. Um, thanks to Mike and Amy, even though they're not here, and to Jaden, and to Parky and everyone else. Uh, it really is great to be back in Whangarei. So Akira, uh, and thank you for having me. We are in this amazing series called Culture Shift. Who's enjoying the series Culture Shift? I'm just so loving that we're getting to actually dig into, uh, in terms of, in a biblical way, the contemporary relevant issues that we're all facing in real life right now. And so I think this is awesome. Um, you know, I grew up in a time where, and I'm sure many of us did, where you know, we, we'd, you'd drive into town, you get out of your car, you never lock your car, and you go to your shopping, and you come back and your car was still there. I know it sounds miraculous if you live in Auckland. Um, I lived in a time when actually when you went into town, you wouldn't even lock your house. Because we lived in, in, a, in a generation, a season where we still had such a strong Judeo-Christian ethic in our nation that people, you know, people just didn't didn't steal things and take other things that don't belong to them like happens today. I mean, today, man, you lock your house, you lock your car, flip a neck, you even lock your phone. I mean, it's crazy. It's out of control, right? But that's, that's what's happened. We've seen this culture shift, and part of what we're talking about in this series is the need that we as the church have got to be a part of what God is doing to shift that culture back onto the Word of God, which always creates better families, neighborhoods, and societies. Amen? I'm going to talk about a statement today that when it used to be used uh, was an indicator that you had a problem that you needed to sort out. But when it's used today, it's become a statement of moral superiority. Uh, And that statement is, I am offended. You know, I grew up in a time where if I said I'm offended, then that onus was on me. I needed to sort that out. That was my problem. I had a problem. I was offended. I needed to sort that out. These days, if I'm offended, I'm the biggest person in the room. No one can argue with me. No one can come against me. It is an astonishing statement that, uh, that really illustrates how much culture has shifted. Uh, many years ago when I was pastoring uh, the church in Dunedin, the Elam Church down there, uh, because I'd studied genetics and evolution, I'd taught evolution in high school, and as a non-Christian studying genetics and evolution had come to the personal conviction that this was the worst science I'd ever seen— um, I would often get invited into school, uh, high school Christian groups, or um, university Christian groups like the um, Dunedin Medical um, Medical School's Christian group, to just to, to, to debate this and talk about these issues. And this particular time, I was talking in high school in Dunedin that I won't name. But <clears throat> the Christian group had invited me; they'd advertised it around the school, anyone was invited, and there was a particular invitation given out to all of the Year 13 or seventh form. Biology students who, of course, are studying evolution as part of the curriculum. So we had quite a group that came, and I did a presentation for 30 or 40 minutes, going through a whole bunch of, of the science and, and looking at things from different perspectives. And then I opened it up to question and answer. And in other schools and other places, this is always great. You know, questions come, and we debate things, and we share different perspectives, and it's a really healthy part of it. On this particular day, a, a young guy put his hand up. He was a Year 13 biology student. He was one of the senior students in the school. He put his hand up. I said, yeah. And this is what he said to me. He said, well, I am offended. Like, that was it. It was like, that was the first time I'd really been confronted by that. And I wanted to say to him, what? Grow up. But you can't say that, right? I mean, it's interesting. It's interesting because what happened was the entire conversation came to an end right then. No one else asked any other question, and having made that statement, it was clear that it was now incumbent upon me to in some way defend myself or apologize to him or appease him and make him feel better. It was an astonishing thing. You see, offense obscures vision. Offense obscures vision. The place you go and what you're trying to achieve, when offense comes, it it just stops it dead. It's like a wall comes up out of nowhere. It's an astonishing thing, and you have experienced that. Psychologists have found that when people associate almost exclusively with those who agree with them, they suffer from a thing called groupthink. And they lose their ability to see things as they actually are and to ascertain things objectively. Now, social media in our world today magnifies this because social media, they feed into our Facebook and Instagram feeds. Things that are along the same lines as anything we've liked or we've shared. And so it just magnifies the sense that my opinion is the right opinion. It's called confirmation bias. You see, what's actually happening in our society today is that the word opinion has been relabeled as truth. That's what's happened. Opinion has been relabeled Truth. Is it any wonder in this post postmodern age that we're told that truth is relative? You have your truth. Apparently, I have my truth. Um, and, 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 and that's just the way it is. And there's no such thing anymore, apparently, according to our culture, of having any sort of objective truth. You see, truth used to be something that was based on facts that was observable, that was repeatable. We, we, we saw the world as it really was and we worked out what, what, what was repeatable and reliable and that became a fact and then we built ourselves and our reality on that. In an existential sense, truth has always been about the revelation of who God is as shown in the person of Jesus Christ and everything that he, he says in relation to the world that he created. You see, truth is meant to be a rock that we can build our lives on. But it seems that it's been ground down uh, into soft sand that now seems to move and shift with every tide and every storm. And I have a feeling Jesus may have made some comments about that. Offense is the one-stop pushback. Attack is the best method of defense. How dare you disagree with my opinion, sorry, my truth? And the problem is we all get to the place When we put our trust only in ourselves. You know what Proverbs 28 says? It says those who trust in themselves are fools. In Proverbs 18 verse 2, it says, Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. It's such a destructive and oppositional way to live. And it's not built on wisdom. You know, every day we're presented with opportunities to be offended. From you know, when you pull up at the lights and someone honks their horn behind you and they can't see the truck that's coming, but you can, and they're offended that you haven't hit the gap, and you're offended that that obviously they're idiots, and and you're offended that they're offended at you. And you know, or or you go to the cafe, right, and you're, and you're patiently waiting in line, and the waitress is about to be your turn, and someone races in the door, and the waitress looks up and says, "Who's next?" And this person steps in and does it. Has that ever happened to anyone here? Man, it happened to me. I tell you, I have to, oh, gosh, oh. I want to say, go to hell. Just go directly to hell. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. It's not okay. But, um, of course, that's why I'm not God. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> or maybe you get a night with your husband or your wife or your best friend or something, and, 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 and you're excited because we're going to spend some quality time. And what happens is for the next three hours, they stay on their phone. It's kind of ironic. I just realized I did that to my wife the other night. Um, but we do these things, right? And, it's, and, and, and so offense can come. And that's just one end of the spectrum. There's another whole end to this, right? There's a much darker end where people suffer from things like abuse or abandonment or racism or unfairness or injustice. Things have happened to people here that should never, ever happen to anybody, and should not have happened to you. Everyday offense can threaten to trip us up, trap us. I, I, I know for me, I, I've got I've got kids who are almost adult kids now, kind of late late teens, early twenties. I'm offended every day. I mean, I remember I remember Nigel Ladder. I think it was. who said, you know, aliens come at about thirteen. Kids at thirteen and fourteen, and they suck out their brains. And then you have your children for the next uh, seven or eight years with no brains. But but good news is the aliens do come back at about 22 or 23 and put their brains back in their heads. I am waiting. But in the midst of my astonishing ability to get offended, I've realized something. I've realized that being offended never once solved an issue. Being offended never once solved an issue. And you think about our national political situation and all sorts of stuff that's going on, and you apply that. And we live in a culture of offense where offense is the norm, but I'm telling you, offense never solved an issue because what it does is offense actually gets our focus off the issues and onto the emotion. And once we're stuck on the emotion, we're going absolutely nowhere. So we need to see today what I'm offended is really all about. You know, the English Dictionary is a little helpful. Uh, it, It defines offended as irritated, angry, or annoyed, which kind of gives us the emotions, but we need to go deeper than that, and luckily the Bible is so helpful for us. Offended in the Bible is the Greek word skandalizo. Thayer's Greek Dictionary defines this as to stumble or trip or fall or to begin to distrust and desert one whom one ought to trust and obey. Or to be trapped or tangled, now this is helpful for us. it, mean, it means that i 'm offended <clears throat> means i 've stumbled i 'm distrusting, and i 'm stuck here now. You see saying i 'm offended isn 't actually the power card our society likes to think it is it 's actually an admission of failure it 's actually an admission that I don't know where to go from here and I don't know how to move forward and I am stuck. Let's for a moment apply that to a a story in the Bible. You know the story in, in Mark chapter 13 where Jesus arrives at his hometown and it says there that the people get offended at him and he can't do any miracles. I mean, it's interesting, right? When you read it, it says that... They saw Jesus, they saw the astonishing gifting on his life and his ability and the supernatural thing going on. But then they remembered it was just Jesus and his mom lives here and his sisters and brothers live here. And Who the heck does he think he is? And there's a sense of, of unfairness in that, right? How come he's got all this? How come he's so good? And it says they got offended and then it says, And Jesus could not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. What a tragic waste. What a tragic waste. You see this is what Matthew says that offense does. Offense actually hinders God's miraculous working power. So think about that for a moment in terms of you, your family, your workplace, the people that you love that you're trying to reach. I mean how how easily do we get offended sometimes and yet offense hinders the work of the spirit of God in our lives. No wonder Paul says in Romans 14 that we should make every effort to avoid offending people if we can. He also says in Second Corinthians how much it distresses him when he sees Christians who are offended. And why? At least in part because he knows God is, is greatly restricted in what the Spirit of God can do through us when we're offended. Matthew 24, Jesus himself says that in the last days, many will be offended. Welcome to 2021. We need a culture shift. So what do we do with Offense. I want to take us briefly to a Bible, to the Bible, to a, a situation where there's lots of offense happening. People are protesting. Things are happening that are just wrong, destructive. Even a man is wrongly convicted, which is Jesus. Nobody cares. God's laws are being broken. God's people are being misled and deceived and used. God's people in authority are doing nothing. God himself is being accused and rejected. And we can see some responses in this that I think are instructive for us today. It's the morning of Jesus' crucifixion, and Jesus has been brought before Pilate. Let me read this to you, Mark 15. The crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do for them, as was his custom, which was to release a prisoner at Passover. Pilate answered them, Do you want me to release the king of the Jews for you? For he knew it was because of envy that the chief priests had handed him over. But the chief priests, listen to this, stirred up the crowd, Stirred up the crowd, so that he would release Barabbas to them instead. Pilate asked them again, Then what do you want me to do with the one they call king of the Jews? And again they shouted, Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Why? What has he done wrong? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him! Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them, and after having Jesus flogged, he handed him over to be crucified. Interesting. Two interesting responses, right? Two different people. One stirred up the crowd when offense came, whipped it into a frenzy, set it on fire, pushed it to the extreme. The other, another leader tried to pacify, satisfy the crowd, calm everybody down, take a middle ground, appease them. Both of these are astonishingly unhelpful ways to deal with offense. Because what's happened is we've stopped dealing with the issue And instead, we're focused on dealing with the offense. Let me read a little bit more to you, going back a chapter. The high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? I am, said Jesus. And you, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven, speaking about his second coming. Now, Jesus' response and his lack of response is fascinating, right? The crowd was offended. But who knows that Jesus had more right to be offended here than anybody else I mean, we've got to remember who this crowd were. They were Jews. These are, these are God's people. And remember who Jesus is, like He's God in the flesh. These people were the ones that He, Jesus, that God had brought out of Egypt, done many miracles, destroyed the Egyptian army. Jesus, as God, He was the one who brought the Jews out into the promised land, sustained them, brought them into a place of milk and honey, defeated enemies before them, gave them kings, provided everything that they needed, despite the fact that they continually turned their backs on Him. Now, despite that, despite His love, now they are actually trying to kill God. I, I just don't know if it's possible for us to have a right to be any more offended at anything that happens in our life than Jesus had the right to be offended at that. A- a- astonishing abuse and betrayal and destruction. Not only that, Pilate, a man who's in a place of God-given authority because he's called to be the judge in this position, and instead, instead of doing what he should have done and setting Jesus free because it says twice that he knew that Jesus was innocent, instead of that to, for political expediency, to calm things down. Now, i tell you what. Shouldn't Jesus have spoken up? Shouldn't he have defended himself? Shouldn't he have raged against the false charges against him? Shouldn't he have expressed his disgust in Pilate? He did none of those things. So interesting, right? Why? Because he would not be tripped up by a temporary distraction of an offense. He would not lose focus on where he he was going can i say to you today that the offense that you are currently dealing with is a temporary distraction and it is not the big issue that it feels like it is you know all the devil wants to do is to trip you up get you to stop sit down and and stop going forward in terms of what god has called you to do and be in this world and we need more People with the heart of God and the character of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit out there in our shops and workplaces and factories and schools and homes out there bringing light when there's so much rubbish and darkness. God is calling you to be that person, to be a part of that. And all the devil so often has to do to get us to come to a screaming halt is to just get us offended. See, we need to understand when dealing with offense that one thing is needed above all else. One thing. You know what that one thing is? It's wisdom. That is what we need more than anything else. You and I know what it's like when someone gets offended with us and we're like, whatever it's going on, or, or we get so consumed with offense towards somebody else. We need wisdom. So we're going to go to the Word of God, obviously, and we're going to go to the book of Proverbs. Let me read this to you. And then we're going to unpack this, and this is deeper than it first appears. Proverbs 19, verse 11. A person's wisdom yields patience... And it is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Okay, so this is all about offense. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. So this passage talks about three things. Patience, doing what is to your glory, and I'm going to unpack that in a moment. And then overlooking offense, which is a very important concept because the Hebrew idea of this is different from what our English idea of overlooking is. So let me explain this. Three clear perspectives that we need to kind of really embrace if we are going to be people who can deal with offense. First one is this. Number one, you got to play the long game. you got to play the long game. Wisdom yields patience. You know, you need patience because you can only deal with offense if you remember the big picture, if you see the vision and the mission, if you keep your eyes fixed on where we are going, this is not the deal breaker. This offense feels like it is in your life, I promise you. We have to learn to have patience when it comes to offense and not get drawn into petty squabbles and going back at people. Firstly, play the long game. Secondly, You've got to be the big person. I was so blessed when I was teaching. I had some really great older teachers who gave me lots of great advice. And one of the bits of advice that, that was given to me was they said, When you get into an altercation with a student, remember who the adult is. Okay. And, they us, and they said this to me They said, Your dignity is never at stake. So you never have to win an argument. Oh, you will win the battle but you need to remember who the adult is and you have to be the adult because if you get drawn down into being being immature and foolish in the same way the student is being immature and foolish with you, you will lose. You will lose both your dignity and your respect in this classroom. Do not forget who you are. Be the adult. Such helpful advice. I wish I could apply it with my own children. <laughs> it's interesting because the scripture says, to do to what's one's... Um, sorry, let me read it to you. Sorry. It is to one's glory... Now, the Hebrew word here literally means to do what ornaments you. Do what ornaments you. Let me put it in real plain English. Do what makes you look good. Now I don't mean in a selfish sense. It, it, what it's saying is be the big person. Step into dignity and grace and honor and courtesy. Be that person when offense comes. You need to play the long game. You need to see the big picture. And you need to h- handle yourself as an adult. You need to be the big person. Does that make sense? And then thirdly, number three, listen to this one. Get over it literally. Now, uh, don't laugh. Let me explain this to you. In says Hebrew lexicon, it gives the literal meaning for the Hebrew word that we translate as overlook. And this is what it means literally. It means to cross over as you would step over a stream to cross over as you would step over a stream. Isn't it interesting? Step over this. It is to your glory. It ornaments you when you step over that offense. You cross over that as if you're crossing over a stream. Don't fall in. You don't get tripped up. You don't get trapped by this temporary distraction. You walk over it. You jump over it. You walk through it. You just get on the other side of it, and you keep moving forward. So what does that mean? Does that mean we just need to let offences go and pretend that they never happened? Well, well yes and no. Let me illustrate. Uh, started last year. My wife and I, Lizzie and I, we ran the Mototapu Mountain Marathon down in, in Wanaka in Queenstown. It's you know, 42 kilometers up and over a mountain range. And there are 11 river or stream crossings in it. And I tell you, coming from up this end of the country, you hit that first river crossing. Wow. So cold, like the water's coming straight off the snow. It is literally so cold, it gives you an ice cream headache, and it's just your legs in it. It was was astonishing. Not only that, uh, and that was important later on in the race, right? Because when you get to to the later river crossings, and you've got fatigued legs, you just get into that water, and your muscles just go straight into cramp. The second thing that was interesting was that actually there was lots of really slippery stuff in that river. So we went through that very first river crossing. Crossing, note to self: go fast through these because that is really cold. And secondly, be careful with where you put your feet. Right. So what that means is that we learned the lessons from every stream we crossed over and took it to every other stream that we crossed. Likewise, in dealing with offended people and with offence, we must learn the lessons from every offence we cross over and take those lessons to every other offence that we are going to cross over. We need to take note about people who maybe we need to manage. We need to take note of behavior that we need to address or eradicate or change. We need to be aware of issues that we need to watch out for. These are important. But the point is, we keep going. The devil just wants you to stop. God wants you to keep your vision clear and realize that offenses are put in our path to cause us to trip. They become a trap for us. And God is just wanting us to get over them and move on because there is so much more at stake that He is calling us into. Amen? And it's interesting, right? We see this is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus didn't get offended despite the fact that He had more than every reason to be truly offended because he knew that actually he wasn't going to change this crowd anyway and he wasn't going to change Pilate anyway. And and this wasn't the point. This was just something he needed to cross over because he had to go to the cross and he had to go to the resurrection and he had to take his place in all authority and all power. Amen. He, he was crystal clear on that. He had patience. He played a long game. He didn't feel the need to reply to anybody. Secondly, with regard to being the bigger person, he once again demonstrated his incredible character, his incredible unconditional love. He didn't call anybody out. He didn't rage at anybody. He just remained silent and showed astonishing grace. And then he got over it. Wait, this is even amazing. In fact, he was over it before he even got to it. Listen to this. He's at a place of potentially being offended, and where's his focus? Is it on what's about to trip him up? Is it about the offense of what is going on? The Scripture tells us what his focus is. The one thing he says to Pilate is, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. He is already not here. He's not even at the cross. He's not even at the resurrection. He's already way down there sitting at the right hand of God in all power and authority. He's already seeing the second coming when He returns to make everything right. He's already at that place where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord. He is already there. And He will not be stripped up by any offense. Can I say to you, God has the same for you. You're his answer in this world. You're his answer in this city. He wants you to be out there. He wants you to be shining that light that you have. He wants you to be that person who is making a difference in other people's lives around you. That's what he wants for you. And we've got to make some decisions. Are we going to be tripped up by the offenses that come? Or are we going for that? Because offenses will come, Jesus said. They will come. And we have to find a way through it. You know this idea of Jesus' focus? Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, notes it as well. Listen to this, Hebrews 12. Let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, faith, not our face, our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He wasn't he wasn't seeing the cross. He wasn't seeing the offense of the cross. He wasn't seeing what what they were going to do to him when they beat him and put a crown of... Th- he wasn't looking at any of that. For the joy set before him, he went through that. For the joy set before him, he went through that. And I tell you, offense is going to come, but for the joy set before us, we've got to go through it. And when people things get difficult, for the joy set before us, we're going to keep going through that. And when things come to hurt us, despite that, for the joy set before us, we are going to keep going. Amen. We'll get the team up now as we kind of bring this into a landing, but. I now need to take all this, and I now need to bring it to each of us. We've got to bring this home to us now. So let me ask you a question. Are you feeling offended? Some of you might be just offended by me. (laughs) But you know what I mean. Are you carrying offense in your own life from something that someone said, Or something that someone did. And and maybe they didn't even do it to you. Maybe they did it to someone that you love.
1: But I tell you, if you are
0: offended, then somewhere in some way, you got stuck. You've got trapped. We've got to find a way to shift our focus off the offense. We've got to get our focus back on the future, back on the mission, back on the men and women we're called to be and the difference that we are called to make. Can I say to you today, if you're carrying a fence, please don't let it keep you trapped in this heart place, head place, spiritual place any longer. We've got to play the long game. We've got to remind ourselves to be the hero, to be the big person, to be the adult. And we've got to find a way to step over that stream, get past it and keep it going. You know, as I was praying into this message, I really felt that there are people here today who somewhere, sometime, as they were on their life's journey, they stumbled over a stumbling block. They got tripped up by something that became an offense and they never got over it. They never crossed over that stream. They sat down in some way mentally or emotionally or spiritually has sat down somewhere in their heart and mind and you never got up again. Is that you today? Because if it is, I'd like to suggest that maybe today is your day. Today is the day to get up and somehow get over it and keep moving forward. And I I know, I know, I know. Like there's no way, right? There's no way. But but I've been here so long. Like I, I, I don't even... I don't even know if I've got what it takes to do anything else. And, and the hurt is so deep and the pain is so great, right? Like, I, I get it, right? I really do get it because that's my story. You know, someone once betrayed me, and lots of people have betrayed me, but one particular person betrayed me, backstabbed me in a meeting in front of other people. It was someone that I, that I always considered both a colleague and a friend. And I literally feel like I've been stabbed right in the chest to my face man I tell you I was so wounded I just I I just I was just a mess I was confused for months and months after it and I tried to I tried to sort it out and tried to forgive and tried to do all those things but you know what I realized I realized I sat down by that stream and I ended up sitting there for years guess what I discovered I discovered eventually that I was not mortally wounded and can I say to you and I know some people have been wounded. But I'm telling you, you are not mortally wounded. And I know it doesn't feel like it. But you do have the strength to stand and to take another step. The problem is that you're stuck in a trap, and that trap has a name, and that name is unforgiveness. And here's the problem with unforgiveness. right? Unforgiveness comes in several different models. There's a model of unforgiveness called bitterness, and some of us know what that is like. There's a model of unforgiveness called hatred, and some of us know what that's like. There's a model of unforgiveness called anger, and some of us know what that's like. But there's also a model of unforgiveness called self preservation, where we go, No, no, I'm all good. You yeah, know, no, I've forgiven them. You know, it's all in the past. No. No, but, no I'm not, but I'm not going there. I'm not going there. No, just preserving myself. I've got these boundaries. I'm just. And we have those kinds of conversations. But actually, if we're honest, it's still unforgiveness. And if that's you this morning, maybe you need to get to your feet as well and find a way to move on. I want to say today that though it may take a supreme effort, though it may be the most difficult thing you've ever done, forgiveness can set you free. And forgiveness can allow you to start moving forward again into the future that God has for you and sees for you and wants for you. God's plans and dreams are still out in front of you. Church, let's not waste another minute. And these things always start by faith. These things always start full of doubt, not sure if this is gonna work, not sure if I can do this, not sure if anything will change. It's okay. But we step out in faith regardless trusting that God is bigger than my stuckness. So we're going to do something a little different this morning. I want to lead you in a prayer. So I'm going to ask you all to get to your feet if you would for a moment. And if you're a visitor here this morning, first time, look, this isn't normally how church maybe rolls, but it's okay. And I'm not going to embarrass anyone. And we're going to take a couple of minutes. I'm going to lead you in some, in, in a, I guess, a couple of prayers, a couple of conversations with God. And you know, Worst comes to worst, I'm going to waste about three minutes of your time Uh, if you've already said it all and you're all good with God. But you know what the best thing is, is that maybe if you are here and you did sit down sometime, maybe this is when you stand up. And this is when you take a step and get yourself over there and start walking forward because it is amazing the healing that comes when we start moving. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer line by line. Will you pray this with me? close your eyes and bow our heads. Why don't you say this between you and God? God, thank you that you love me. God, I commit myself into your hands with full trust and complete confidence. Thank you for forgiving me. Lord, it's time for me to get going again. And so today I forgive everyone who has ever offended or hurt me. I release them from my judgment and I place them into your hands. I tear up my IOUs. They owe me nothing, not even an apology. For I realize they have sinned more against you than they even have against me. I bless them in the name of the Lord. For your word says, I am even to bless my enemies. Thank you, Lord, for setting me free from what has held me trapped so long. And so, Lord, I declare this morning that I am moving on and I am crossing over. God, I am looking ahead to the purpose you put me here for, for the good you called me to do, for the difference you created me to bring, for the hope you did destined me to bring. For those who are downcast, you've called me to lift. For the weak, you've called me to strengthen for the change you've called me to bring. Lord, I will be patient. I will be the big kind of person you made me to be. And when offense comes as it will, I will get over it and keep going. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Come on. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise this morning? Jaden, over you, buddy. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Centre podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancentre.org.nz.